Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him and love him. Is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we finally got to hear on Monday morning from both team president Joe Ellis and GM slash president of football operations, John Elway regarding some, you know, immediate reactions and thoughts on Pat Bowlen. What was your immediate takeaways from their remarks on Monday? Uh, to me, it struck me as a little unpr- impromptu. The, the press conference kind of appeared out of nowhere. But like everything else the Broncos have done uh, since Bowlen's death, it, it was very sincere, very heartfelt, very well thought out. They spoke for about an hour straight from the heart. There wasn't any prepared notes or anything. It was just talking about their experiences with a great man who impacted both their lives and gave them the careers they have now. I thought it was nice, a nice gesture. And, and tomorrow is that the open house of the stadium for Pat Bowen, all the fans would be there and, and you know, they can talk to some of the Bowen family and pay their respects. I thought the team is handling it well. It, it's a sad occasion, uh, but the transition and the aftermath is going uh, as well as it could be. By the way, Patrick Smythe, the PR director, tweeted out some images of the memorabilia of Pat Bowen's that it's going to be on display for fans in Denver on Tuesday. Most of you are going to be listening to this Tuesday morning, I gather. And if you can get over there, I mean, it's it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And some yeah. of that stuff that they're laying out on display, very cool. For example, his the, the first um, game ball for his first victory as owner and his the fur coat that is iconicized by <laughs> from the time in Cleveland, you know, from the drive, prowling the sidelines, rooting on john elway and the broncos so if you can go try and get out there you know guys like zach and i if we were in denver we'd certainly be there but yeah. two other pieces of news that came out of the remarks from joe ellis specifically on monday was the fact that the broncos at least at this time are not considering renaming the stadium after pat Bolin. and then the other is that they're going to commission a, a mr b decal to be worn on the helmets throughout the regular season what were your thoughts on that it's sad that the only reason that the stadium can't be named after him is comes down to money. Like most other things, they need a stadium sponsor for the long term and, and for the multi-year contract. It's financial. Uh, it, it's a nice thought. It, it was always kind of implausible. The least they can do, you know, they have a statue outside the stadium. The least they can do is put something on their, their helmet. I prefer they have also a, a, a patch on their uniforms, too. I mean, this is a very, very uh, impactful owner who, who just passed, and I thought they should do as much as possible to commemorate him. Uh, but for, like I said, for the most part so far, I mean, they, they couldn't handle it better. And from a, a fan optics point of view, uh, they are paying great respect to uh, who Pat Bowen was. By the way, one quick anecdote that from an article that Mike Kliss published on Monday 
regarding Pat Bowen and the legend that he is. He takes us back in time to, I think it was the 2007 season, and to to recover the ground of Pat Bowen, you know, the Broncos were on the doorstep of that, that regular season, and the season before, of course, ended in tragedy. The Broncos basically backed into they, – they were on the brink of making the playoffs if they could beat Alex Smith and the San Francisco 49ers at home in the season finale. They would have made the playoffs. That was the year that Jay Cutler supplanted Jake Plummer as the starter. They couldn't get it done. They lost at home, missed the playoffs, and that was the night, New Year's Eve, that Darren Williams was shot and killed. So that whole 2006 season it was nightmarish for Pat Bowen, for Mike Shanahan, for the entire team. And then fast forward to the beginning of that next season, the Broncos, Mike Shanahan convinced Pat Bowen that they were one pass rusher away from really taking this thing to the next level and getting into the playoffs. And so Simeon Rice, who at that time was you know the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, was one of the most prolific pass rushers of the era and honestly of all time as well. He was there for the taking. He wanted $3 million bucks to sign for one year. And Pat Bowen, the problem was they wanted to do it. Mike Shanahan convinced him, but they didn't have the cash on hand. And so Pat Bowen went to the bank utilizing a personal line of credit and got the money to pay Simeon Rice and Zach he came to the roster. Didn't he made it about halfway through the year before he got cut? He didn't even uh, tally a single sack as a Bronco. It's just great, though. It's a it's a it's a nice anecdote to show uh, who Pat Bowen was, that what he would do for his team, what he would do for an individual, and sacrifice uh, himself for the greater good. That's just in one little paragraph and one little story. That's Pat Bowen, the business side of him and the personal side. It's. Uh, it's sad that he's no longer with us, but the the impact that he left and the stories that he left that we can read about, it's always going to be here and it's always going to be cherished. That's actually a good example of how I think some fans get confused or miss some of the nuance behind, well, if you have the cap room, you should be able to sign the player. You also have to have the cash. you got to have the actual hard money to pay the player. And so at that time, the Broncos more than had the $3 million in cap room. The problem was... If he signs the contract, he actually wants the money, right? He wants the hard <laughs> dollars that he's agreeing. You're agreeing yep. to pay him. So, anyway, Pat Bowen, uh, just another another great day to celebrate him. But Tuesday is going to even be more special, I think, for Broncos fans and for the team. So check that out. Now, today though, we are going to dive into a list that I have put together of ten players on the roster bubble, and Zach and I are going to go through and analyze this as, as kind of a little bit of a training camp preview but first a couple of quick matters of business make sure you're following the show on twitter at huddle up pod that is the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time if you're listening on youtube we got a great community of listeners on youtube don't forget to like don't forget to comment and engage with each podcast episode that you listen to or watch whatever on YouTube that that tells YouTube that it's a quality piece of content and they put it out in front of other Broncos fans. And if you're on iTunes, Zach and I would really appreciate it if you leave us a creative review and a five-star rating. All right. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Zach, 
I got a list here I put together, and you know, obviously, when it comes to roster bubble players, it goes without saying that undrafted rookies and futures type of players, they're immediately on the roster bubble. That goes without saying. This list I'm going to put together. Some of them are a little bit more established as far as veterans. Some are only one or two years in the league. But they're all veterans in a technical sense, and each one of them is facing a unique challenge in 2019, whether it be a new coaching staff, whether it be you know young players added to the roster through the draft or free agency or what have you, that really are putting the pressure on these guys to basically crap or get off the pot. So let's go through these. I want to get your thoughts on them. In no particular order here, Keyshawn area. Now, as most fans know, he was a sixth-round pick in 2018. He made the active roster as a rookie, which was saying something. But then again, Zach, when you keep 39 off-ball linebackers on the 53-man roster, <laughs> the odds are in your favor. But, no, in all seriousness, the Broncos, if, if fans can remember, kept six inside linebackers on the roster to start the season, and Keyshawn Bieria was one of them. I think he saw something like 18 snaps on defense as a rookie. But, Zach, he did dress for every game as a rookie. He was a special teams contributor. But he didn't really do anything to, to distinguish himself, at least in my opinion. And going into this season, what are your thoughts on his prospects for making the roster? I mean, as any huddle up listener could tell you, you and I are both not huge fans of B area, and, they, and we weren't fans of that draft selection. And I'm still not um, huge on why he's still on the roster, even the offseason roster. They have inside linebackers who can play special teams. Uh, Alexander Johnson, uh, they have Joseph Jones, who's a maven there already. I don't see his value in this defense. He's not going to be a starter. He's not going to be a top backup. He's not going to be a top teamer. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely on the bubble. And if he doesn't show something in training camp or, I guess, hope for an injury ahead of him, um, I don't like his chances at all. I just don't know, other than, you know, the, the, the stock that every defensive player on the Washington football team gets, Washington Huskies. I mean, that defense is just seemingly year in and year out cranking out premium round prospects that go into the NFL. And so some of that juice, of course, rubs off on Keyshawn B. area by osmosis. But other than that, I mean, you look at his collegiate body of work, it's solid. He wasn't even really a full-time starter. He was more of a contributor on that defense. And so I, that's one of the reasons why Zach and I kind of questioned that pick. And up to this point, one year into his career as a pro, he just hasn't really done anything to distinguish himself. However, I will say this, Zach, he does have an even better opportunity this year to not just make the roster again, but to actually carve himself out a role on defense because Brandon Marshall's gone, which means one at least one guy on the depth chart is going to get a great opportunity to leap forward and see a lot more time snaps-wise on defense behind Todd Davis and Josie Jewell. I know you would like that to be Joseph Jones, though. I mean, that's your boy right there. My and boy. The, the thing with Bieria is he was a Vance Joseph draft pick. I mean, I know Elway was here, but he Vic Fangio has no allegiance to Bieria. You know, he wants his own players. And I just happen to think, dumped in his lap, what does he bring to the table? There's other linebackers and better linebackers on the roster right now. Even Deneen, who they picked up as a, uh, a priority free agent, I think, can push Bieria. So um, when it's all said and done, I think he'll be on the scrap heap in September. One thing he's got going for him, you know, it's a small thing. You, you pay attention, though, to the little things, is the fact that the head coach is already referring to him publicly by his nickname, KB. So take that for what you will. But let's move on to the next guy here on this list, Jake Butt. Now, most fans know that this is a player that Zach and I, we kind of have a departure in terms of opinion 
I'm a lot higher on Jake Butt and his his ability and prospects. Obviously, there's no getting around the fact that he's coming off his third ACL uh, major knee injury of his football playing career, and that's really what's kind of handicapped his progress thus far in the NFL and with the Broncos. If he can stay healthy, though, I think this becomes a non-starter. However, if he fails to show out early or show some progress with regard to his recovery, the problem, Zach, is that he's got a couple of tight ends behind him in Troy Fumagalli, who's fully healthy, the, the fifth-round pick from last season, and also uh, Bug, what's his name, Bug? Uh, Howard. Bug Howard, thank you. And Austin Fort, uh, one of whom, Fort, is an undrafted rookie from this year, and Bug Howard is went undrafted a year or two back, that are really making waves so far through the off-season training program that are looking, I mean, if they can maintain that momentum going into training camp, I mean, it just puts more pressure on Jake Butt. So to me, he's on the bubble, Zach, but it really just boils down to how quickly can you get healthy and get on the field. Yeah, I'm not that low on his chances of making the 53. I think after last year and all the injuries, they're going to keep four just in case and for insurance purposes. And considering the investments they've made at that position, I'm just I'm not as high on his chances of making a significant impact or being the same player that they drafted coming off three injuries, major injuries to the, you know, uh, that that hamper a player. Even one is career threatening, and he's had three. I don't see him overcoming that. I think he can be, at best, a nice contributor, but the Broncos have better tight ends. They just invested a first-rounder in Noah Fan, and anything that Fan can do is better than what Buck can offer now, I think. So when it's all said and done, I think number three on the depth chart would be his best. You know his best slot for this season. I think he'll make the roster. I just don't see him contributing. All right, let's get to the next guy here, Jamal Carter. Now, some fans might have forgotten a little bit about Jamal Carter, the former undrafted rookie out of Miami of Florida who made the active roster as an undrafted rookie in 2017. He's kind of He really distinguished himself during that preseason as kind of a dimebacker, really athletic, really physical, hard hitter, willing contributor on special teams. This time last year, though, heading into his second year, he suffered a catastrophic hamstring injury in which the hamstring literally tore off the bone. He was done for the season, but he's looking to bounce back. In the meantime, while he was licking his wounds on IR last year, DeMonte Thomas emerged as a bona fide depth safety who, I think, given an expanded opportunity, has a lot to offer the Denver Broncos. And so Jamal Carter, even though... You know, he's only going into his third year in the NFL, Zach. He finds himself, I think, in a, in a bubble situation. Now, I'm of the opinion that he's the type of player who's going to quickly impress his coaches. I don't think he's going to have yep. any problem making this 53-man roster, but that doesn't mean he's not on the bubble uh, in, in the technical sense. You know, I'm actually a lot higher on Jamal Carter than making the 53 than Sua Cravens. It's so tough to predict before training camp right now in the preseason. I think that's when Vic Fangio wants the light bulb to go on for Cravens. He wants that physicality to show, and uh, that hasn't been the case through offseason practices. Um, it's going to come down to how much how bad he wants it and his commitment to the game. And you saw that even in question last year when Vance Joseph deactivated him. If he brings any of that attitude into this locker room with Vic Fangio, it's not going to go over well. Maybe is you know what they gave up for him and his previous draft status can can land him uh, a, a spot on the fifty three. I like Carter better personally. I think he's a much better player, better on special teams, a hard hitter, good in uh, run support. I'd rather keep Carter on the final roster than Sue Cravens, but that's just me. 
and Sue Cravens is also on this list. So let's make him part of this this conversation. I mean, Sue Cravens, we've talked, I think, quite a bit about him lately. He was on another list that we discussed last week. But he's a guy that I could see just at this point going either way. I think he, from a t- pure talent perspective, is probably the most talented safety on the roster, not named Justin Simmons. The problem, however, is between his ears and then also, you know, kind of being injury prone. He's not been able to prove that that he can stay on the field. And really, I think if he can find a way to fight off the injury bug this summer and if whether or not he's progressed to this point in his NFL career where he has prioritized his career as a pro, passionate about football, makes football the number one thing in his life, sky's the limit. I mean, he was a second-round pick of Washington's, if you believe John Elway. The Broncos had a first-round grade on him coming out of USC in 2016. And, and if you go back and watch his tape, and I'm not talking last year when he, you know, he spent eight, or eight weeks excuse me, on uh, injured reserve, came back, and was really lagging in terms of speed of the game, and just his head was spinning. Not that Sua Cravens. If you go back to his USC days, and even his first, uh, before he suffered that massive concussion as a Washington Redskin, even that rookie season, he was a very explosive player. The problem is it's just been so long since we've seen that form of Sua Cravens on the field, it's hard to project forward with any kind of confidence that we're ever going to really see it again. It's just a bad combination to me being mentally, I guess, deficient to the game and also being injury prone. There's so many ifs that go along with Sua Cravens. I mean, same was said about Paxton Lynch. He had all the physical talent, but he always questioned what were between his eyeballs. The light bulb never went on. Jamal Carter is a safer player to me, and I think he can bring more uh, significant impact. And if I understood you correctly, Chad, uh, I agree with you where I think he fits Fangio's defense and he'll take to it quickly. That aggressive mentality and a year a year away from the game will motivate him. Uh, Sua Cravens... If the light, you know, if it goes on, yeah, he's the most talented safety, not named Justin Simmons. But there's there's that if, and I just I'll believe it when I see it. I'm I'm in that sort of camp with Sue Cravens, and I don't fault you for that. And I'm frankly there too. I really am. I mean, the the best football players who really make a, a name for themselves in the NFL are they have the tangibles, you know, they have the tools, they have the traits, and then they also have the rare combination of intangibles and. Cravens has the tangible in spades. It's the intangibles, unfortunately, that have been a deficit for him. And then, of course, the streak of bad luck with regard to the injury bug. But we'll see what the future holds for both of those two young safeties who are going to be battling each other this summer when training camp opens on July 18th. Now, next guy here is a wide receiver I wrote about over the weekend in an individual article spotlighting his candidacy as a bubble player. Mr. River Craycraft, who is an interesting player that went undrafted out of Washington State. And, you know, he's kind of the quintessential um, NFL slot receiver. Very twitchy, very quick, in and out of his breaks, good route runner, solid hands. I mean, he doesn't drop balls. And when he first, the first interest he actually received in the NFL, and by the way, the only reason he didn't get drafted was the fact that he was suffering from a lingering knee injury going into the, to the draft. But the first interest he actually had in the NFL, Zach, came by way of the New England Patriots, who brought him in for a workout. No surprise. They love, that's kind of their model wide receiver, is River Craycraft. But they weren't convinced on his knee, and so they didn't sign him. But the Broncos did. They signed him to the practice squad. He stuck around for a couple weeks until they, they waived him to make room temporarily for Carlos Henderson, the, the failed third-round pick. When the Broncos finally realized that Henderson, it was just, let's cut bait, 
They waived him and brought back Craycraft, who bided his time. And then about halfway through last season, he finally got his chance, was called up to the active roster. And we saw him contribute as kind of the fifth wide receiver on the depth chart and the punt returner. And as a punt returner, Zach, he had 12 returns. 11 of them were fair catches. And the other one was a return for 20 yards. And that's kind of the the backdrop, the, the Cliff Notes bio on River Craycraft. Going into this summer, though, he's got a shiny new rookie six-round pick in the form of Jawan Winfrey, plus last year's wide receiver class going into their year two, Emmanuel Sanders, a couple of undrafted uh, rookies that are trying to make a way. So what are your thoughts on Craycraft's prospects this time around? I'm a sneaky kind of big River Craycraft fan. I, I like his story. You know, coming out of college, he had that injury. And then when he got to the Broncos the first time, I remember writing about it, he had a, I think it was a torn hamstring, uh, a, a lower leg injury after right. a few practices. Yep. That's and one of the was, reasons they waived him. Right. And it was just devastating because he was so happy to get his chance in Denver. And then that happens. But like you said, he, he bided his time. He came back. And I like what he showed. Every offense needs that little, that, that poor man's version of Wes Welker, I guess you can call him. And, and he has a role here. And in terms of punt returns, after Isaiah McKenzie was dropping everything, it was nice to see a pair of sure hands back there that were in Jordan Taylor. So I, I like Craig Kraft. I think he can make the roster. I hope he makes the roster, especially if they keep six. I like his chances along with Winfrey. But if they keep five uh, between him and Winfrey, you know, the draft status obviously would give the the latter the edge. But I, I'm a Craycraft fan. I'm rooting for him. I hope he makes the roster. I do too. And the X factor, I think, is what his position coach is going to have to say with regard to how the depth chart is formed and which wide receivers make the 53. And Zach Azani, I think he's the main reason why Craycraft was brought back, why he stuck, why he ended up getting promoted to the active roster. And I think that if Craycraft can have a strong summer, his position coach is going to be an advocate for him when it comes down to those meeting rooms whittling down 90 men to a final 53-man roster. And Azani has proven that he was a great hire by the Broncos, so he has some clout in that front office. And Craycrafts is a guy, though, uh, who's always first on the field and last one to leave. He has that, that workman-like mentality, and if he shows that in, in training camp this summer and impresses Fangio and Azani, I, I do like his chances. I, I do hope he makes the roster. There is a value for him in, in this offense. All right, we still have five other bubble guys we want to talk about on today's show. We're going to dive into those five here in just a second. First, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, let's talk about the next guy on this list, Kevin Hogan. This one pretty much goes without saying. He's a veteran. The Broncos signed him on the doorstep of the regular season last year after they waived Paxton Lynch to kind of serve as that veteran failsafe behind Case Keenum and Chad Kelly because at that point, as good as Chad Kelly looked in the preseason, he was completely unproven and we all know very volatile human being. That ended up blowing up in the Broncos' face, the Chad Kelly situation, and then Kevin Hogan became the bona fide backup quarterback. Fast forward to the 2019 offseason, the Broncos acquired Joe Flacco via trade. They didn't know how the draft was going to shake out, so they went ahead and re-signed Hogan to a one-year deal. But little did they know they were going to not only get Drew Locke in the second round, but they were also going to be able to get Brett Rippon as a college free agent afterward. So... It kind of leaves Kevin Hogan as the odd man out, in my opinion. And the only thing that's going to stop that from becoming a reality is him just suddenly turning a corner and just lighting it up. And there's only one, just putting my tin my tinfoil hat on for a second here, Zach. There's one 
factor or component that I think could make it a possibility or increase the likelihood of that happening for Kevin Hogan. And that is the fact that Rich Scangarello has turned his, you know, you want to talk about making lemonade out of lemons, chicken salad out of you know what. If anyone can do it with Kevin Hogan, I think this is a good scenario where the, the, you know, the situations are combining beneficially for Hogan because not only is Scangarello a great developer and a communicator as it relates to getting the most out of quarterbacks, but it's also a system that he's bringing over from San Francisco that frankly plays to Hogan's strengths as well. But unfortunately, if we're going to go off what's, what we've seen and what we've heard through OTAs, the signs aren't good so far that Hogan is going to be able to capitalize on those stars aligning for him. And, and even on a subconscious level, I wonder how much of Scangarello's instruction is going to be devoted to Locke and Rippon, and how much can go around, and how much can Hogan really develop. I think we've seen what his ceiling could be in the NFL, whereas the rookie quarterbacks, we don't know yet, and, then, and they brought them in for Scangarello to develop. I, Barring injury, I just don't see it. I, I just don't... I don't see Hogan sticking around. I don't see him beating out the rookies. I don't see him making a big push. I mean, falling on his experience is one thing, but it's one game, and it was a bad game, and he's kind of just a middling quarterback. So um, I wish him the best. It'll come down to the preseason, but in the end, I, I don't see him prevailing. All right, next guy on the list, yet another safety, another player who benefited from Jamal Carter's injury last year was the mercenary signing Shamarco Thomas. Now, he's a guy who has, I think he's going into his seventh year in the league. This is off the top of my head. He's spent some time in a couple of different NFL places. But, you know, he's he's got some real snaps behind him. He actually has an NFL resume, even though we didn't really get to see him much on defense last year, mostly special teams. He does have maybe not a wealth of experience, but he has a lot more NFL experience playing defensive snaps in this league than even a guy like Jamal Carter, than a DeMonte Thomas, and even than a Sua Craven. So we probably shouldn't completely write him off. We probably shouldn't sleep on him completely. But Shamarco Thomas, let's face it, he's got an uphill battle ahead of him this year just because the Broncos really do have a logjam of players at the position especially being that Kareem Jackson might end up factoring into the roster math as a safety. That's a great point. And yeah, it's like, how many do you want to keep? You have Will Parks, you have Justin Simmons, it's Cravens, Demonte Thomas, Jamal Carter. You can only keep uh, five or so, so that leaves Shamarco Thomas out. And this is a guy who will get cut more than likely, and he'll be on standby if there is an injury, the first player the Broncos call. And it's good to have those players if he doesn't get a chance elsewhere. But maybe it'll come down to Carter versus Thomas for the final roster spot if, if it comes down to that. And maybe, like you said, they'll value Thomas's experience and, and veteran presence. But it, it, all things being equal, uh, I just don't like his chances considering the, the youth behind him and the, and the talent level behind him. Plus Trey Marshall, who looked really right. good during the preseason last year but just lost out in the game of musical chairs. There was just only so many roster spots to go around. So, yeah, I, I think he more than likely, Shamarco Thomas, despite his experience, finds himself on the outside looking in because when you finally get to the fourth or, you know, third, fourth or fifth safety on your depth chart, et cetera, you're probably looking more at upside than you are at immediate impact. And in that case, you're going to go with a younger player or player you just see more potential in than, than Shamarco Thomas. So next guy here, Zach, we've got a tough topic here that you and I have to digest, Demarcus Walker. Now mm-hmm. you had an article, let's lead with this. You had an article on Monday that, uh, the topic was Demarcus Walker. Let's let's start with that. Yeah, ESPN pegs him as the Broncos veteran that could get cut by the time the season rolls around, and basically that he's the you know, the, the player on the bubble the most. I don't really disagree, considering he was a second round pick and he hasn't performed. But 
Take into consideration what happened his rookie year. He was moved to outside linebacker, forced to drop a ton of weight, playing out of position. That was a wasted year. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, Shadow, over podcast, but last year he was finally moved back, and every time he was on the field, to me, he was around the quarterback, around the ball. I like what I've seen from him, and I think Fangio could find value, but you know, it seems like you've hinted on, and what Fangio has also implied is that he was very mentally underdeveloped, and he had to mature a little bit, and that's what Fangio pushed him to be through this offseason, then going into training camp, he'll be on the bubble, he'll be on the spotlight. I don't know if he'll be cut. I just think he'll get one year at least to see what he can do under Fangio, at least half a year. Uh, but I do agree, though, he is on the on the bubble, and uh, you know he needs to perform. You know, it's the third year now. It, it's shape up or you know get out. The best coaches are also quasi psychologists, and I think Vic Fangio has already begun the process of trying to reach. Demarcus Walker on a psychological scale, on an emotional scale, on a mental scale. And that's really the biggest thing that's missing from him as a player. He's got the size, you know, he's got the tools and traits. He's not the most twitchy and explosive pass rusher. We know that, but he does have a, a uncanny knack for making plays and being around the ball and being around the quarterback. And that's the biggest thing so far is you hit the nail on the head in his limited opportunities to actually see snaps at his ideal position on the defensive line, he finds a way to make an impact, okay? And it's a super small sample size, albeit, but he just has that knack. So if you're a coaching staff, you want to try and and tap into that and maximize that for your defense. And I think from a scheme perspective, he's a much better fit for what Vic Fangio is going to run here in Denver as opposed to what Vance Joseph and Joe Woods were trying to run a version of the Wade Phillips defense. So I'm not completely turning the page. I still think there's a great opportunity, but I also think that if we're being honest, both of us, we're, we probably have a little bit more wishful thinking with regard to Demarcus Walker than might be justified. But yeah. what's saving him right now is that second-round draft pedigree, and the, the team really di- does have an investment in him. I think they're going to try and get as much out of that, you know, get as much blood out of that rock as possible. But the one thing we have to remember is that John Elway proved last summer in that bloodbath of cuts and waves that he's to a point with, you know, quote unquote draft bust that he's willing to turn the page and cut bait now, as opposed to dragging things out throughout the entirety of a draft picks rookie contract. That's a great point. I mean, he cut Langley and he cut Henderson. They were third round draft picks and that was kind of uh, a surprise at the time. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, he has no problem with that. It's a really good point. Um, but the thing working in his favor is what uh, what pass rushing linemen are on the Broncos roster? Derek Wolf, Draymond Jones, and Shelby Harris. Derek Wolf is you know perpetually injury prone, and Draymond Jones is a rookie. He has value here. They need those pocket pushers. So if the light goes on for Demarcus Walker, which it might never, he might just be miscast in this defense. He might need to change the scenery. It, it just happens. But they can get some value. I mean, with these pass rushers on the outside. You can see him utilize up the middle and uh, push the pocket forward. That's what he does best. And for what I've seen, my eyes, those tests tell me that he's always around the football. So I want to see it in the Fangio defense. Well said. We'll see what happens for Demarcus Walker. He's going to have a, one last summer at least to prove himself. And I think this preseason we're going to start to see the potential of Demarcus Walker pay some dividends with actual performance on the field. Now, this next guy, we got two more we're going to cover today. This next guy, it's... You know, I can understand why some might have a bone to pick about him even being on this list. It's Billy Wynn. The fact that the Broncos, he originally was signed in 2016 as a on a two-year deal, 
made an impact as a rotational defensive line guy, started a few games in 2016, then tore his ACL in 2017, missed that whole season on IR, and then spent all of the 2018 season out of football. The Broncos re-signed him, though. Someone in that front office likes themselves some Billy Wynn, and he's a great locker room guy. I think he's a big uh, Bill Kalar guy. Bill Kalar likes him a lot, so that gives him some, uh, you know, at least a leg up a little bit, but there's no doubting, even though he's a tenured veteran, you know, even though he spent the last two years basically out of football when you count his IR year, he does have NFL experience, but he's in a situation where he's basically competing, in all honesty, he's competing with Derek Wolf, Adam Gotza, Shelby Harris, and Zach Kerr. And the Broncos also just re-signed Zach Kerr. So what are your thoughts on Billy Wynn, his prospects in 2019? Billy Wynn and Dakota Watson, man, I, two you know acquisitions that came out of nowhere. I just I don't see what upside Billy Wynn offers. It was just so random to me that they brought him back after bringing back Zach Kerr, and they're kind of duplicate players. They're both better against the run. They don't offer much against the pass. I guess Wynn is a little bit better than Zach Kerr, but uh, they have enough of those players, and they're, they're still like if they give Demarcus Walker a chance. I mean, they want to. How many slots can go around? How many mouths can you feed? I just. Um, I don't know. It, it was a nice story that he came back from his injury, but I, all things being equal, there's better players on the roster ahead of him, and I, I don't, I, I don't like his chances. I put him at 45 percent yeah, to make the I roster. Mean, I think the only, just knowing what we know about Billy Wynn, even in a perfect world, if he's 100 percent healthy and in peak football shape, I think his best prospect is really only path to the roster is the injury bug striking the depth chart, and that's about yep. it. So. Yep. All right, this last guy, and then we'll get out of here, might be a little bit of a controversial name to put on this list, but I'm including him, and that's Brandon McManus. Why am I including Brandon as a bubble candidate? Well, let us not forget the Denver Broncos. Not only is he coming off a couple of forgettable seasons as a kicker, but the Broncos went out and signed uh, Taylor Bertolet to push him, to compete with him. And there's a reason why they're doing that. That's all i got to say. Okay, there's a reason why the Broncos – are pushing McManus. And I think mostly what they're hoping to do is to inspire competition and thus yep. elevate Brandon McManus. But they're also doing it <clears throat> in a sense that they're not eliminating from, you know, the possibility that Taylor Bertolette might outperform him in training camp and the preseason. And if that's the case, so be it, because Bertolette could come in and play at a significantly cheaper cost and the also, you got to remember, McManus has not been one of the upper echelon kickers in the NFL really since 2015. 2016, he was solid, but really, Zach, these last two years, you know, he's missed a lot of big kicks. Going back to this last season, you know, he, he missed the game winner to beat the Texans. He missed a lot of kicks from, well, 50 yards. I, I get those aren't exactly gimme type of kicks, but he's just been too volatile. He hasn't been as much of a sure thing as you want from a kicker on a team like the Broncos who play in a lot of close games. I love this move personally by Tom McMahon pushing McManus and not letting him rest on his McMoney laurels because he's been anything but clutch the last couple of years, and he's he's really a, an expensive player when you boil down his production and what he the position he plays uh, and his cap hit. Bertolette would be cheaper. I wasn't crazy about what I saw from him in, in the AAF, and I know he had a good college career, but... I would ultimately be shocked if Brandon McManus is cut in favor of Bertolette. It would have to take 
uh, a preseason performance where Bertolette is making everything and Menace is just shaking kicks left and right. I uh, you got to give him this year and then go from there. Uh, McMahon, though, is doing the right thing by pushing him. I think it will make Mc, uh, McManus better. They want to see him be a little more consistent, a little more reliable. I think it'll help. And if you can just clear those mental cobwebs, I think that McMahon realizes that about McManus. It's a mental thing. He's struggling right now. He's, he's on a, a downswing. And if you can get him out of that, you have a really good kicker. So ultimately, I think McManus will be on the roster. But, you know, it, it, for as long as Bertolette re- will remain around, there's going to be competition. Yeah. Man, I can't wait for training camp. We are that much closer. Technically, we're about exactly almost one. By the time you're listening to this, we're officially one month away from training camp, so four weeks. But we're inching ever closer. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. There you have it. Ten bubble candidates on uh, you know on notice, basically. They're at risk of losing their roster spot. They're going to really have to fight and battle this summer. And we're looking forward to analyzing it and breaking it down for you here on the podcast. And uh, tomorrow we're going to be off, of course. Building the Broncos will be back, I'm sure, with a fresh episode for you. Zach and I will return on Thursday, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Don't forget to leave a like and a comment if you're on YouTube, if you're on iTunes. We appreciate you give us a review and a five-star rating. We'll be back in just a couple days, so stay tuned. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.